the crashes are scary, but usually they're not enough to stop you from trying to get better, if that makes sense. Like if you really enjoy it, then then it's worth it. Training Edge podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Newkirk, and welcome to episode number eight. I've been coaching now for over 10 years. I've had athletes from a variety of backgrounds within endurance sports competing on all sorts of different levels, but something that is present across all athletes in some version or another is fear. For cyclists, this could be learning to ride closely to other riders. It could be riding down your first mountain pass, your first race in the rain, or even your first hundred mile ride. But regardless, fear is something that athletes have to face regularly to find how they cope with it and then ultimately how to conquer it. My guest today seems to thrive on new environments and throwing herself right into the thick of it, facing her fears head on and coming out the other side. My guest is Allison Baca, an incredibly talented athlete who now calls herself an ultra runner, but she has competed professionally across quite a few sports. Before each episode, I spent some time doing some research on the guests that I'm having on, just to get an idea of what they have done with their athletic career. Despite doing that, I was totally unprepared for everything that Allison has done in her athletic pursuit, and this conversation blew me away. We discussed multiple fears that she took on as she dove headfirst into each sport and what she has learned from it. Allison has competed in so many different sports that this is a pretty long episode, but it's worth it to listen all the way through. Enjoy my conversation with Allison Baca. Hey, Allison, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I asked you to join me today to chat actually about fear. So we're going to step back away from um, more or less the standard sport talk. Um, and it's a pretty big, vague topic. I mean, and it's a big topic. Um, but I was inspired by your blog post that you wrote last year um, about overcoming fear. And that one was about, you know, you being in um, more of a desert landscape and being out on your own and taking on different things that way. Um, you also posted recently on Instagram, which I thought was perfect, um, <laughs> that you saw a rattlesnake and um, what else was it? A Gila oh. monster. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Um, but your tone was totally different and you seem to embracing it a lot more. Um, but I wanted to, po- to kind of like hone in on fear within the realm of sport and um, see what we can learn from you because you've taken on so many different sports, Um, which likely means when you take on new sports that you have faced a different version of something that scares you in each one of those sports. Um, So sport to me is amazing because it pushes us to the limit, but as athlete, I think it's something that we thrive on. And naturally, if an athlete goes far enough within their sport, they find something that probably will strike a little bit of fear in them. it's a tough one because I think every athlete has their own version of it. So it might vary from person to person. Um, so for example, it could be a climber that has, is afraid of heights. It could be a road racer that's afraid of crashing. It could be a swimmer that's afraid of sharks. So pretty broad spectrum. Um, but to start, I'd like to go back to the beginning a little bit. Um, so for example, when I was little, I was 100% scared of the dark. Um, oh my gosh, I still am. <laughs> you are? Okay. I've gotten through it a little bit, but I am at times. Um, 
So, outside of being scared of the dark, did you have anything that you were afraid of as a kid? Hmm. I don't know that I was afraid of very much as a kid. I think I watched The Ring, you know that movie where yes. the, oh, man, yes. the Samara comes out yes. of the, the drain well. or whatever yeah, in the bathroom. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so I watched that when I was like, I don't know, 10 or 12 or something, like secretly in my friend's basement together, you know? <laughs> and honestly, since then, I haven't been able to like walk into the bathroom at night and not be scared of what's behind the shower curtain. But <laughs> besides that, I don't really... Yeah, I mean, of course, I have the dark, which I feel like most kids Yeah, are. it's pretty common. Um, but yeah, besides that, I don't think I had many fears when I was little. I don't know if it was just because in New Jersey, we didn't have very, like, very many wild animals, I guess, hmm. or okay. I just didn't know what was out there. Maybe it was just oblivion of <laughs> just <Scared>. not knowing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> the it's... dangers. I, especially right now, the unknown yeah. is pretty scary. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I would say I didn't have very many growing up. Okay. All right. I mean, maybe that's a good sign. Um, okay. So then taking it into the sport world a little bit, um, when you just started into athletics, um, so I actually ran track in oh, really? uh, high school. I ran track. Um, but for some reason, my coach decided that I was a sprinter. And for those of you that do not know me, I am not a sprinter. So um, my fear actually at the time was getting dead last in the 200 meter. Um, that was what, you know, haunted me before races. Oh my <laughs> um, gosh. So, you know, you, um, when you started as an athlete and that could be, you know, when you were really young um, or I saw that you r ran in high school and college, what, um, what were the things that you were afraid of? What were the fears that struck you? And that could be changing. Um, yeah. So what were those fears for you? Um, I think in terms of sports, I didn't have, I grew up playing soccer and um, I only switched to running when I got injured my freshman year of high school. Hmm, okay. And I had always kind of run a little bit with my dad. He would like hide Easter eggs along our street and make us, my sister and I run and <laughs> find amazing. the Easter eggs and they would have like little puzzles or something that he drew inside. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, he would kind of like entice us to run when we were little. Um, but then I didn't really start serious seriously running until maybe winter track my freshman year of high school and hmm. i was just pretty bad at <laughs> at the beginning so <laughs> i right. didn't have very many <laughs> expectations for myself if that makes sense and then yeah um yeah. but as the years went on and i started getting towards my senior year i started getting better and better just you know doing the same thing over time and building up the miles and i think my senior year i started to have some I guess some fear of losing or just more pressure on me, you know, like maybe at the end of my junior year, um, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to run in college, but I just, I don't really have the results or the times or anything, you know, like how is a, how's a team going to pick me up? How, what do I need to do this summer to put myself in a position where I can like run on a college team? And so I think my senior year of high school, it was definitely my best year for running, but it wasn't without some fear of um, not getting the results that I thought I needed in order to run on a college team. Um, and then 
in college, I, I went to the University of Washington in Seattle and our team my freshman year were division one national champions in cross country. Dang. And there were about 30 girls on the team and I was probably number 27 to 30, depending on the day. So not even <laughs> close to making the top seven um, or the team that would basically run at the national championships. And so um, the summer before my sophomore year, I decided I was going to do whatever I could to make that team. And I don't know if it came from a place of fear as in who am I if I'm not a good runner? I think that's kind of like a hard transition sometimes for runners from high school to college because you can be a really great runner in high school and then you move to a college program and suddenly you're the worst runner on the team and suddenly you're questioning, you know, if if running is a big part of your identity or sports in general are, yeah, definitely. then who are you if you're not the good runner anymore, you know? I think in high school that was kind of like how I identified myself and how other people saw me. And so then suddenly in college I was just another runner on the team who didn't really contribute anything you know um and so i wanted to change that but i um i went to a little bit of an extreme in order to do so and that summer i just didn't eat very much because that's what i saw other people doing and i was running like 100 plus miles a week and i made the cross-country team my sophomore year and we were third at nationals But basically after that, I was just injured all the time. And that was kind of the end of my college running career. So, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Okay, so Um, the, I guess, what did you... Sorry, that was a long-winded answer. (laughs) No, 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 that's that's good. I mean, essentially you went from big fish in a little pond to um, little fish in a big pond. And then you decided that you wanted to become a big fish. And then you tackled it. But maybe it was... um, too quick or right too soon yeah and and poorly advised and then you kind of found the burnout it seems or the consequences of doing so so what would you change if you had to do that again oh my gosh so much i mean first of all i think a huge part is just figuring out who you are outside of sports right i mean who mm-hmm. even now i struggle with the question like who am I outside of whatever sport I'm doing right now and my job and being a wife, you know, or maybe all those things somehow contribute to who I am, but how can I define, how can I like separate who I am at some point from those? If I don't have running, then what's left. And so I think, um, trying to figure that out and understand, I guess, what makes you, you, other than your accomplishments um, or what's on your resume. I think that's really important. Um, and also, I it just goes along with, I guess, not focusing so much on running. Like, running just became my life, and I didn't care about anything else, you know? And no yeah. one could tell me either that, oh, you're too skinny or... It's crazy. It's really crazy, like, how far 
I would go without not caring. Like I remember they, the nutrition um, program at, at UW, like the sports nutrition people, mm-hmm. they made me go get a bone density scan. And I remember going to the bone density scan and I don't know, you go into some sort of machine yeah. and it measures your bone mass. And they basically told me that I had the beginning stages of osteoporosis uh. at like 19 years old because I just was not fueling my body. And it's crazy because I didn't care, you know, like I just wanted to be a really fast runner. And if that meant like destroying my body, I just, I didn't care at the time, which is, it's just sad looking back on that. And, and I don't know, it's, yeah, it's just pretty crazy. And I think it's, yeah, you can always look back on situations and say, oh, I should have done this. But right, right. I think in, in a lot of cases, you need to figure it out for yourself. Yeah, especially and, at that age. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think what you mentioned with the concept of defining yourself outside of sport is huge. And I think that that allows you to tap into uh, a lot of things and a lot of risk when you start to leave that sport, too. And something that I think every single one of my athletes right now is dealing with is in this world now where sporting events don't take place. How do you define yourself as an athlete if you don't compete? And then within that, do you have other things that define you too? And um, to know that is huge. So that was a good lesson for you to learn along the way. At least there's that. Yeah. Admittedly, I still, you know, I still feel somewhat tied to my athletic pursuits. Yeah. Um, But I mean, maybe, you know, it is part of me in a way. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's good. I mean, honestly, if you're an athlete, it, it is part of you. Yeah. But having other things that fulfill your life is huge. So, like, right. you know, having an awesome husband, having um, other things that you can go do that make you happy, um, that's a big thing. And it keeps you from uh, having, like, let's say an injury or something like that and then having it pull you to the end of the world because um, of that one thing or, you know, being afraid of losing your sport and if you if your fear is well i need to i'm not this runner anymore or i'm not this athlete am i nothing and it kind of sounds like you were struggling with that big time yeah (laughs) well all right that was a big one um (laughs) that was a big sorry point um so you went um after your running career then um if you don't mind me asking what were the injuries that you were dealing with uh towards the end there so I nearly tore both of my Achilles tendons and then I had a stress, a stress fracture in my tibia head. So like the kind of the top of your shin bone where it meets the knee. Wow. That area. Wow. Okay. Wow. All right. Those yeah. are some big ones. Did, <laughs> were, did you basically spend the most of your college career then fixing those problems? When did you find that you were kind of through that phase? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I I think I ran in at, like, one or, I don't know, some seasons in track after that, but none of them were good. And, um, yeah, I was basically just always trying to, like, cross-train and then not get injured and then doing easy runs super hard all the time because I thought I was falling behind. Uh. Um, and then eventually my senior year, 
after cross country, I quit the team and I was like, this is not, this is just not working for me anymore. I need to do my own thing, just run however long I want to run every day and yeah, move on. Okay. <laughs> and then you got into, is that when you got into triathlons then? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then what, what prompted you to do that? Well, um, when I was very young, maybe 10 or 12, um, I walked into this running store in New Jersey and there was a newspaper clipping on the bulletin board and it was about someone from the area doing Kona, the Ironman World Championships. Cool. And so I don't know how that suddenly popped back into my mind, but when I quit the team, I decided like, oh, you know, maybe I should just start training for an Ironman and just, you know, see if I can do it. And (laughs) I had dabbled in triathlons when I was younger. So like I knew how to ride a bike and swim kind of. Um, So I, at that, at that time, you could actually qualify for Kona by doing a 70.3, which is a half Ironman. Um, Now you can't do that. I don't think unless I've changed it, but so my plan was to obviously do the cheapest race possible, which was a 70.3, and <laughs> see if I could qualify for um, Kona at that race. So, so yeah, that's how I got into it, and I started training, and I did the half Ironman and got into Kona and kind of achieved my goal for that year. It was nice to finish college with a high in athletics as well as school, of course, but. (laughs) All right. So you did, you did Kona. How did it go? It went well for my first time. I'd say first time doing an Ironman. It was very exciting. Just it's like a huge, amazing triathlon carnival. If you can imagine (laughs) that. Yeah. (laughs) Just a week filled with all kinds of like parties and, triathlon events so it was great um so how was the how was the jump from a 70.3 to a full how was that um i have been training for it so it was definitely long and very difficult but i think coming from a running background that was just a huge help i think a lot of people struggle the most with the marathon and so I think I was pretty lucky at that time. I just come off essentially a whole college running career. And um, I just had the run strength to kind of back me up at the end of the race. Yeah. So it kind of sounds like you took on the sport full tilt without, you know, without looking back. But what, how was it taking on this new sport that you hadn't done like for a while and then doing it to basically, I mean, a professional level, more or less. Um, And what fears, tapping back into that, what fears did you have along the way doing that? So, I mean, of course, doing your, doing like an Ironman for the first time, it's pretty scary. Yeah. At Kona, at that time, it was a mass start with all of the men and women. Oh, no way. Yeah. So it was basically, I don't know, 2,000 people like thrashing around in the water at the start and you're just trying to like survive and (laughs) not get drowned and keep your goggles on. Um, So yeah, I mean, just trying to do the whole distance, of course, was 
scary and my family had flown out to hawaii which was oh, wonderful boy. but cool. also i couldn't not finish the race yeah so <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i think that was um that was probably one of my biggest fears starting of course outside of like the nerves of just racing in general and being at a world championship race um and i was able to win my age group that year but that meant wow. that i was guaranteed an entry into kona for the next year so i didn't have to requalify but the next year, I would say, is when I had the most pressure because everyone was saying, like, oh, you're going to go and, like, repeat and, you know, win your age group again. And and I totally didn't. I was, like, so far back. I had a really bad race. I had put so much pressure on myself. And, um, yeah, I think sometimes the fear of other people's expectations whether or not you know other people in the end don't really care how no, you do like of course if you want to race people will be excited for you but they forget you know like no one remembers how you did at a race on like august 14th of 2013 you know no um and so i think i just put all of this pressure on me that everyone was watching and i had to win because if I didn't, everyone would be disappointed. <laughs> and, and I just completely blew up. It was one of the worst races ever. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I think but. that pressure is a remarkable thing. And um, I've talked to other people about this, but like the, essentially you create your own pressure. And, Absolutely. Uh, and you can dictate that. But it's really hard to remember that because you might have, you know, people that you really respect putting that pressure on you. Um, but some of the best athletes I've ever seen have this uncanny ability to put that pressure in a box and say, I don't care about that in this moment. Um, and I, I, I'm still working on it. And I think most athletes are, but it's definitely something to attempt to try. And so how do you now and then, uh, like, what have you learned? How did you, how do you handle pressure then? Um, well, I think I'm pretty similar to you in that I'm still, you know, trying to work through that and figure out how to put it into that box. Um, I think some pressure is good, but um, obviously a lot of pressure, at least for me, is detrimental. And it just makes me, I guess, scared to race. You know, at some point when I put so much pressure on myself, I just almost don't even want to be on the starting line. Yeah. And and that's just a bummer. And so I think um, starting to just do more ultra running events, um, I think it just kind of fits my personality more where people are just out there to enjoy the scenery and to have fun running and just enjoy the day. And yeah, of course, you know, people are competitive and want to do well or hit a time or, you know, win their age group or whatever it is um but it's just a lot of fun and i think if i can be at the starting line smiling and like laughing with friends then it's just a better experience and i don't really put that much pressure on myself that's awesome i guess yeah that's awesome that's yeah. what i learned through the years too and i think that the environment that you put yourself around makes a big difference too so if you're on a team or if you're with friends 
like find yeah. friends that mesh with you and find people that you know make you smile and like uh, like for example tony your husband when i was racing with him he would always have some sort of joke or have some sort of thing to say afterwards that would make me laugh. And that, that was like a big deal to me. And I don't even think I recognized it at the time, but I do now. So it's, it's stuff like that that make a really big difference. Um, yeah. And I hope people can find. Yeah. He's definitely, I think I've also actually learned a lot from him because he doesn't really get that nervous for no, races. I don't know how. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> But he's yeah, like it's eager. impressive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's just cool. he's just excited and happy to be out there. And yeah. of course he wants to win, but or you know, whatever it is on that day, do his yeah, job yeah. or work for the team. But um but yeah, he just has a really great attitude at yeah. the start of races and I appreciate that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um after triathlons, you then went on to your next sport, um, which is awesome that we're still going through these, but so, um, you went on to pro cycling. So you took this, uh, sport and you took a specialization within it. You took the bike portion and you ran with it. And, um, so what inspired that? Why did you switch to that? Well, so I think that I was still pretty burnt out on running after hmm. college and I just hadn't really taken a break. And so after that Kona experience, um, the second time I was just not ready to get back into triathlon training and I decided you know what I'm just gonna do what I feel like doing and right now that is cycling so cool. I'm just gonna ride my bike a lot and cool. so I started riding and I started getting into group rides in Miami and I really enjoyed like it almost feels like race car video games I don't huh. know how to explain it, but you know, like kind of in a crit where you're like with yeah. all these people yeah. and don't want to crash and going into corners and, um, Zooming and around. I just really enjoyed yeah. that kind of like <laughs> intense, um, intense, like tactical where you have to think and in triathlons, it, I mean, there are some tactics, but you know, you're Not just alone yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I just found it really exciting and I, just kind of wanted a break from running still so i started riding my bike a lot that's cool so yeah. you know as you mentioned much like a race car <laughs> video game you you do crash quite a bit and so and that's very different from the triathlon world um and not to stereotype but triathletes tend to be a little bit more you know outside of the very elite they tend to be a little more um, skittish and a little bit fearful of that moment um so i guess when you switched to pro bike racing what did you what were your fears within that time oh my gosh well <laughs> um <laughs> everything <laughs> yes everything yeah. i remember my first year racing i did i think tampa twilight it used to be like usa crits yeah race. yeah yeah yeah, and I, I was living, yeah, so I was living in Miami, and I drove out there. I was like, oh, I'm going to go do this crit, and I was so bad at cornering that I got dropped, like, two laps in, and <laughs> yes. I just, I remember just, like, I don't know, riding out of the barricades and, like, going to my car and crying. I was like, oh, oh my no. God, I'm the worst ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was just really bad at bike handling, or I guess turning more so at the yeah. beginning, and so yeah of course 
people just tell you all these different things of what you need to do, but putting them into practice is not easy and it can be very scary because you don't want to crash. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so actually I kind of had like a weird entrance into pro cycling. I happened to know someone from working in bike shops and she knew of like a team in Italy where I could move there for the year and ride for them and like do all these world tour races. Wow. So I was not ready for this, like a hundred percent not ready, but I was like, Oh my God, this sounds amazing. And I'm going to go live in Italy. It's going to be great. And I'm going to become a pro cyclist. <laughs> and so I did it. And that was probably one of the, the scariest things because wow. yeah, I mean, I just moved to this small town outside of Florence and um, and I was just living in this house with other girls from different countries in Europe that didn't really speak English and no one really spoke English <laughs> and, and um, yeah and then I threw myself into these women's world tour races like okay. I was supposed to be there and okay, I wasn't. So Let's, all right, so this wasn't directly after that first uh, Twilight Crit, right? Like, it was... Not, like, like directly after okay. it, but the next year. <laughs> no way. Uh, yeah, oh, no, great. no, no, it was, it was crazy. I don't know how they accepted me, honestly. Okay, I got so, really lucky, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like then? So you went to these races, and um, were you primarily racing in Italy then, or were you racing in other vicinities within Europe? Pretty much all over Europe. Cool. Yeah. I mean, we did like Flanders, Strade Bianchi. Sick. I got to do the Giro, which was super exciting. And that was one of my, that was my last race there. So that's amazing. Yeah. And so like by that point, I kind of was getting better, but okay. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I, I finished, you know, so. I mean, it's still like you, you, all right. So you just said you got dropped at a, uh, basically a, yes. a fast paced crit in, yep. <laughs> um, in Miami. And then you went and did the biggest race offered to females, arguably right now, the you, you went and did the Giro. So, so that is, that's huge. Like, so yeah, I how did you conquer that? <laughs> There's so many fears that we can touch on with it. That like, what the heck did you do to get through that? Cause that, oh that's gosh. gigantic. <laughs> well, it was just a lot of like suffering in races before that you know like all kinds of races in belgium and and the netherlands and i don't even know all over europe in italy um yeah just figuring out how to survive really you know mm. i mean if you didn't survive you get dropped yeah, and you don't have a phone and you don't even know the language so yeah. <laughs> you may just be stranded out oh, there man. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, it was just kind of like literally being thrown into this fire <laughs> and and yeah, and trying to survive. And it was so scary and there's people yelling at you, which I totally get, you know, rightfully yeah. so. And <laughs> but it was just like it made a huge difference and I would not in 2016 after that year, after I came back, I signed a contract with Hagens Berman super mint which was a pro team in the u.s here mm -hmm. and a hundred percent i would not have had the opportunity had i not gone to italy and done this whole crazy you know tour around europe yeah 
Um, and I was able to like play a much bigger role for the Hoggins Berman team. Like, I don't know, by having this experience and learning so much in yeah. Italy. I mean, you basically did trial by fire. Exactly. <laughs> and used it to the best that you could. And that was, that's awesome. And um, did you, so, all right, when you were over in Europe, did you just take it day by day or did you, um, yeah, well, how did you process everything that you were dealing with at once? Uh, um, it was really, really tough. I mean, we didn't have internet, so wow. I would be, you could go to the grocery store in town and you could have internet free for an hour, I think. So sometimes I would just go sit at the grocery store and then like FaceTime people at home. But otherwise I was just kind of sitting around the house. Like I didn't really know what to do with myself. You know, there was not, I, I guess I could have read more books on my phone <laughs> or on my computer. Yeah. I'm not really sure, but yeah. I just kind of like watched a lot of um, movies I could like download on my laptop while I was sitting at the grocery store <laughs> and um and train and just try and deal with this completely different lifestyle I mean it was just so different from what I was ever exposed to or used to um and just like a a very slow paced life um and moving from a city like Miami where it's come you know it's completely the opposite it yeah. was just like a complete culture shock every kind of shock possible <laughs> I mean I didn't have anyone there you know I didn't have any kind of like support system um yeah it was it was an experience I actually started working with um I was working with Hunter Allen who was my coach mm -hmm. after like a few months of moving to Italy and he coached me like my whole cycling career but once I got connected with him it was amazing because he had experience like living over there and doing all these races and so I actually had someone to talk to about it cool um but yeah it was very it was like scary and isolating and um and yeah just not the really like not the best environment I wouldn't recommend <laughs> this route into pro cycling. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful that I did it and yeah. that I had it and that I had the courage to go, you know, and kind of like explore the unknown. Yeah. I mean, talk about a true testament of your courage. I think that's amazing that you came out the other end. So then you came out the other end and you signed with a pro team in the U S. Um, and I guess, so, you had a lot you took on when you were in Europe and then you came over to the U S and I, I'll say that it was a little, I imagine it will be a little bit more diminished and you found a different role within that team. So what, um, when you switched over to that, what was your fears that you were facing then? Like, were you back to the point where you had more pressure? Did you, um, did you actually feel like you were more you know, relieved of fear? Like, what did you feel during that period? So I think, the first race of the season, I was more nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want this to be like last year. You know, I want to actually help. And they took this chance on me, signing me. So I want to make a difference. And I think that I did. And I think I was able to play like a, I think I was a, a pretty decent domestique. 
<laughs> um, um, and so, yeah, I did have some fear, but I just loved being able to play a part in the team, like the second year, you know, on the Hoggins Berman team. Like I could actually help people to get to the front and like win races and do lead outs and all these things that I just wasn't, I was just still learning the year before, you know? Yeah. So I think being able to just be part of something bigger, hmm. um, you know, I didn't feel pressure on myself. I just wanted to do my best to help my teammates. And, and I think that was just really helpful in like alleviating fear. Like we, we truly were like one cohesive team unit and maybe the fear was just dispersed across all of us, you know, yeah. but just working together, it was, it was just a great year. And I really enjoyed cycling that year. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, there's so much comfort in just, I mean, I guess seeing even just a familiar face. Um, and then if you have, you know, eight or nine or whatever, seven of those familiar faces around you um, in the craziest of moments, it can make it seem a little bit more normal. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah. So like hurtling yourself down a mountain going however many Ks an hour, like that's, and you have, hey, like I know this person and I've done this with them before. Um, yeah, it's, it's odd that in the pissing rain or something, it can add a, <laughs> a little bit of light to things. Totally. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, all right. Well, that's wild. Um, you, okay. <laughs> I'm skipping over all this stuff because you have a lot that we have a lot to cover, but, um, all right. So after leaving pro cycling, I guess, why did you decide to do that? Hmm. Um, well, I hopped into a local triathlon after okay. our season ended. <laughs> okay. And I was like, oh, man, this is a lot of fun. And um, maybe I should try this again. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I decided to hop back into triathlon. I mean, part of it was that it's kind of hard with pro cycling to spend so much time on the road. You know, it's... Yeah, it is. It makes it difficult to have a job if you can't work remotely. Um, and I liked the idea of just being able to choose races I wanted to go to and kind of um, select my own calendar. So yeah. that, was, that was a big part of the reason. Um, and at the time I thought I could potentially, I don't know, make some prize money, well, I mean, maybe a little bit more prize money than I made in cycling. Hmm. And honestly, that was kind of part of my decision. Okay. Makes sense. So, yeah. So you, uh, you went back to, um, standard triathlon, correct? Or did you, was that when you went to Xterra? No. So I started doing, uh, half Ironmans. Okay. Yeah. So you didn't, didn't go the Kona route this time. <laughs> well, so Okay. okay, so this was... <laughs> oh, great. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> My sports journey is just, like, back it's great. and forth and up it's and awesome. down. It's awesome. It's <laughs> um, So, okay, this was in the end of 2016 is when I started doing triathlons again. And then 2017, so I was able to get my pro card at the end of 2016 for a triathlon. And okay. then um, I started working with a coach who was based in Boulder. And she had a training group that was based out there. 
Cool. And so I was training in Miami for the first, like through the end of March in 2017. And then I decided that I was gonna move out to Boulder for like two weeks, just to train with them for a little bit and then come back and just kind of like do that back and forth all year. Hmm. And that actually didn't happen. I just went out to Boulder and stayed there for <laughs> Classic. a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I started with the, with 70.3 triathlons. Okay. Um, all right. So you're coming back to triathlons. So in that way there, I would imagine that it's kind of comforting because you know what's going on. Um, the previous fear that you mentioned was pressure. Um, what was it like this time coming back to it? Um, it was, was scared or that there was pressure I think there was some pressure being part of a of a training group that was somewhat selective hmm. um and just being surrounded by people who were all better than me in every aspect and um but I think it was more motivation to kind of improve my own um performances so that I could keep up with them so you're in a group now then that is at the professional level at this in this sport so in that way you've kind of stepped it up a little bit um and they're pushing you to be at this new level um were you afraid of performance then in that way or was it more of a challenge and then um yeah was were you afraid of it um so i think the probably the biggest thing i was actually afraid of that year was that I decided I was going to take a chance and go full on with the triathlon thing and see how good I could be. And so I basically took all of my savings and tried to live the pro life for a year, which is to me, it was completely terrifying because if I fail, then I have nothing to show for it. Right. I mean, yeah. I spend my money and I had to get a job and no more pro life. Um, <laughs> And so I think that that was just like, that was probably the biggest fear that year or like the biggest pressure for me. Um, and, and then like just being surrounded by amazing athletes who had won world championships and so many 70.3s and just trying every day to, to, I don't know, somehow measure up to them. Um, it was difficult but very motivating for me and um and I I really enjoyed that actually I really enjoyed being part of like a training group and um I guess training like full-time at that mm. time in my life but <laughs> cool I mean you sound like you're I mean fairly exceptional <laughs> at uh being thrust into like a group that is honestly probably a little bit better than you or more experienced put it that way and thriving and like learning it quickly and figuring it out because it's like you did it when you were young when you went to college you did it when you were going to Europe for pro cycling and now you're doing it in triathlon um and yeah I mean the people that are able to do that are it progresses their maturity within sport so fast and some people see it as they're overwhelmed or they're um concerned about like you know going on their next group ride and getting dropped like you they instead they see it as well I got to the point that I was getting dropped. Like, that's cool compared to just going out and training by myself. So 
yeah, I mean, it sounds like you take it and you run with it, which is very cool. Yeah, it was, I mean, I think a big part is also just, like, when you're friends with the people that you're training with every day, it's less about trying to be better than them and just mm. more lifting each other up. Yeah, if that I makes like that. sense. Like, yeah. when someone's really struggling in a workout, just, I don't know, we would just encourage each other and... It, like that was really the best part of the team environment because we were just we were just like really good friends too and yeah of course when we race like yeah you know <laughs> we try to beat each yeah, other but yeah. <laughs> but at the same time we would be like at barbecues the next night together That's you know awesome. so like hanging out so I think that was like the best way to be part of a group dynamic like if you really fit into the group and the people are just people you want to be surrounded by, then I think it's really beneficial. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. I wish that uh, in certain sports that was more prominent. Um, yeah. But if you could find that niche, it's awesome. Um, Definitely. All right. So then <laughs> when did you transfer over to Xterra? Oh, man. Because that was the next sport, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, okay. All right. Just make sure. <laughs> We're almost there, almost oh. to the ultra running. <laughs> um, so um, my first year as a pro triathlete, I, my goal was to qualify for the 70.3 world championships as mm -hmm. a pro. So basically you had to be ranked in the top 40 um, okay. in the world and you'd get one of the automatic qualification spots. And then there was like some sort of roll down thing after that. Um, but so I was like, 38, 39, 37, you know, all around there. And then like the day came and I was like, yes, top 40. So I got the, I got the qualification spot, cool. which I was so excited about. And the race was in September. Um, and so I think I got the slot. I think they notified us like in end of June, something like that. And um, on July 3rd, <laughs> my husband who was my boyfriend at the time and one of our friends and I we went to the boulder creek and we were going off the rope swing and oh, no. there were some other guys <laughs> I don't know like some people around were like oh I wonder if we can do a backflip off oh, the rope no. swing oh, and no. me trying to show everyone <laughs> I was like oh of course I can do that and uh, so <laughs> I did a backflip successfully once okay and then I tried, it's on video too. Oh, no. And then I tried to repeat, but the repeat attempt, I didn't make it all the way around my flip. Oh, no. And I also couldn't figure out where I was in the swing. And so if you had let go of the swing, like too close on your way back to the tree it was hanging off of, yeah. you would have like smashed your head into rocks. So, you know, surely I wasn't going to drop, like drop off, I don't know if I didn't know where I was. And so I swung back and smashed into a rock or a tree or uh. I don't know with my knee. And I knew I just, it was like kind of painful, but I was kind of in shock. And I swung back in, went into the creek, got out a few, I don't know, a few hundred feet down and looked down at my knee and it was just like split wide open uh. like blood everywhere and um 
And at the time, I didn't have very good health insurance. So I was oh, like trying no. to FaceTime our friend who's like a medical device oh, guy. Man. And I was like, hey, do you think you can like sew this up for me? <laughs> <laughs> oh. But he was like, no, you need to go to a hospital. And so we went to the hospital and not only did I need stitches, but they did an x-ray and I had fractured my kneecap, which basically meant I wasn't going to be racing in any world championships because I had yeah. to be in like a straight leg brace for like eight weeks. So I couldn't bend my knee at all. Yeah, that's for a eight serious weeks. injury. Uh man. It was it was not enjoyable at all. And it was like in the heat of summer and like we didn't have AC and oh and I couldn't do anything. <laughs> uh. So um so that was kind of like I recovered from that and I had to give up my spot for world championships, which was just like a huge, huge bummer. And, mm-hmm. um, and I just like could not, I was just not into the road trap on scene anymore. I just didn't really, it didn't bring me joy. And so I decided to get rid of it and hmm. move on to Xterra's because right. mountain Clean biking cut. sounds super fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> So that was um, my transition to Xterra's. Okay, so, um, <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> all right. Once you got through your injury and then went into um, Xterra. So Xterra is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but essentially the trail version of triathlons. Um, yep. So, you know, you're taking on mountain biking. Like, had you done a decent amount of mountain biking in the past? Had you done a decent amount of trail running in the past? Or, you know, outdoor I guess, swimming in that capacity you have, but like, what about being on the trail? Have you done that? So, I mean, I ran on trails when I was younger, Mm -hmm. um, just for training or whatever, Uh, but not anything crazy. And then I don't know that I had been mountain biking before that. I think maybe like once or twice in Miami Hmm. where I like borrowed someone's bike. Wow. But yeah, I just, I was like, oh, well, they make it look really easy on TV, so surely it can't be that hard. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they do. Um, Okay. So, all right. You're out, you're on a mountain bike, you get a mountain bike. Um, What fear are you taking on now all of a sudden with all of these new elements that you're taking on? Oh, my goodness. Well, um, okay. So my my first race in Xterra, um, it was... It was actually like right after I recovered from this knee thing. So I was super scared of crashing. My coach told me that I could not run the run. I had to like walk five minutes, run one minute. So it was like really demoralizing. But um, but I was pre-riding the course and these people were flying by me. The race was in Fruta, Colorado. So yeah, like, yeah. you know, the, the trails out there are like really amazing and They're I want to awesome. go back yeah. now. But at the time I was just like, holy cow, I cannot keep up with these people. Like, how do they turn like that? And, <laughs> and I'm here like breaking and stopping before every turn. So, um, yeah, it, it started from there and then it slowly got better. And thankfully my husband, Tony is a really good mountain biker. Yeah. And so he showed me a lot of, he, he helped me so much. And, um, and so I think one of the biggest fears is, is learning how to mountain bike. I mean, mm. I didn't want to crash again and like re-injure anything. And, but of course, you know, like learning a new thing involves some 
errors and yeah. some setbacks and um and yeah there definitely were some crashes along the way <laughs> <laughs> but um but i think like also if you're enjoying what you're doing then the crashes are scary but usually they're not enough to stop you from trying to get better if that makes sense like if yeah. you really enjoy it then then it's worth it yeah i mean no one wants to crash but yeah, yeah. I mean, a few it's, scrapes yeah. here to and there extent, to yeah. deal with <laughs> <laughs> so i mean you i love your openness because basically for many pro athletes it's very difficult for a pro athlete to be good at what they do and then step back and do something that they are not good at all and look bad at it and that's like really difficult for i think people to stomach and their pride tends to get in the way um so i mean obviously <laughs> through our conversation you're okay with that like you're good with that um and i'm super impressed by that <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So originally, I mean, you've got all sorts of hurdles thrown at you. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on that you mentioned in your blog post and, you know, obviously from seeing a rattlesnake, you know, you are taken from this pretty controlled environment, which I would, you know, say that road cycling applies to this as well. Um, and definitely uh, close course running and track running and, you know, your other sports, essentially, you're now on open courses where anything you might find anything um and that's part of the adventure and what part of makes xterra and trail running and all this stuff so fun what but did that was that intimidating to you is that something that was uh hard for you to push through or yeah like how did you handle seeing i guess a rattlesnake for the first time <laughs> um yeah it definitely it's not easy at the beginning and i think what really drew me to these sports is like, I don't know if I can do these things and it just feels good to go out there and prove myself wrong. You know, yeah. like I, so when I was living in page and <laughs> I know it's referenced in my blog post, um, if you haven't been to page page is a small town in the middle of, um, some various like BLM land and national recreation land. Um, but it is like quite desolate, especially in the winters. Um, I highly recommend visiting, hmm. but, <laughs> but when I was, I mean, I would be running at like, you know, four, four thirty in the morning and, um, on BLM land out here, you can pretty much camp wherever you want. And so I would like go across the street from where I was living and basically just run out into the desert and never expect to see anyone. Um, but all I had was my headlamp and I was pretty exposed, you know, like if someone was out there and looked at my Strava, they'd be like, oh, I can go find Allison here this morning because I ran the same route. <laughs> and, um, and so I had this one encounter with this guy who was out there camping and it just completely freaked me out. And like, I just had... I had like nothing to protect myself with at the time and like I didn't have cell phone service and and I don't know I guess I never had experienced this kind of thing before where I just felt totally helpless and I was just like please don't hurt me you know like in my mind <laughs> and, um, and, and it was fine like nothing happened and I was safe and whatever but then after that I was like okay I need to I need to take like a little 
little bit more precautions out here if I'm going to be on my own doing these things um, out in the wilderness. And so, yeah, so I think like certain fears, especially about going out on solo adventures, can actually be really helpful because um, you come up with ways that you can like prevent them from happening or protect yourself in the future. So like, for example, I started running with pepper spray and, um, and for, well, so now with the rattlesnakes, I actually think that snakes are pretty cool. Um, that's good. good. (laughs) Yeah. I think they're like really interesting. Obviously I don't want to get bit by one. And one of my biggest fears in Paige was that like, if I get bit, um, I would often be on roads that were not very accessible quickly. So, you know, you have a certain amount of time after you get bit. And what if I don't have cell phone service? And the Page Hospital is very small. So, like, they probably don't have the rattlesnake anti-venom or whatever it is. And um, so, yeah, I think just... I just started doing a lot of research about, like, different animals I could see and asking people and just, like, educating myself on what to do in different situations and like how to keep myself safe when I'm out there alone. Um, But I think it's also kind of like exhilarating to be Mm. out there alone and like know that you can handle different situations you encounter and um, come out of them safely most of the time, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like knowledge is power in this scenario. Yeah. You equipped yourself. Yeah, exactly. Like it makes me feel more powerful to know what to do in certain in certain situations and um i mean in tucson now like there's definitely i've seen more creatures here than anywhere else i've lived before um thankfully no mountain lions yet though i think i heard one the other day Uh. um like jump from a tree because it was like a large thud on the ground and it was i was like kind of off trail doing this summit and um yeah nothing happened but um Yeah, I think I've just kind of, I think like completing those kinds of adventures where like there are some scary things along the way, but you make it through. It's kind of like, it gives me more confidence in myself to know that I can be out there and I can conquer these different obstacles, whether it's climbing a mountain or it's, you know, seeing a snake and instead of being scared, being like, oh my gosh, let me take a photo you know? Hmm. Yeah, I like that. That's, I think that's super cool. It's like taking the adventure side of it and, and knowing that you can handle it. Um, it goes a long way rather than freaking out and, uh, yeah, letting it bother you in a way. Um, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. All right. Okay. Your story was great (laughs) and thank you. Um, yeah, this is an hour plus of conversation, so this is good stuff. And <laughs> I sincerely hope that you actually do get to race the Leadville Trail 100 because I will definitely be there. Um, Yay! Supporting. <laughs> Let's put a stamp <laughs> on that. Supporting. Well, I've heard um, it's really fun at the aid stations, so you should totally go and check it I actually, out. I actually have volunteered at the aid stations, and it, oh, it, was, really? it, was, it is phenomenal. So if anyone's able to volunteer, it is worth it to see the runners and... Um, be a part of that it's pretty darn cool um but thank you allison for joining me this has been wonderful and been friggin' amazing to hear your story so um yeah <laughs> keep being you you're you're great <laughs> oh thank you so much for having me on i really enjoyed it mm-hmm.
All right. I hope you guys enjoyed my podcast with Allison Baca. She's done some pretty remarkable things in sport, and I'm sure she's going to be doing a lot more before she calls it quits. All right. If you guys could do me a favor and like and subscribe and review wherever you might get your podcast, it helps this podcast grow. But we'll see you guys next Tuesday. And until then, keep finding your edge.